Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. He did it. Novak Djokovic has 23 Grand Slam titles. Unreal scenes out of Paris on Sunday. You're listening to Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo. And today is a day that I will probably remember the rest of my life. Where were you when? I remember where I was. Unfortunately, I was in the car because I had to work today. And so I was in the car. I was keeping a close ear on the match, listening to some commentary. But I will say, Novak Djokovic is the greatest tennis player of all time. He comes in the, he comes in the generation of once-in-a-lifetime players, and there's three of them. Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic. And he comes out with the most Grand Slam titles, and he looks like he's just getting started. How did he get here? He wins his 23rd Grand Slam title at Roland Garros, the 2023 French Open, over Casper Ruud in the final in straight sets. He was down early to Casper Ruud. He comes back, and he's playing fantastic tennis, winning the first set, cruises through the second set, wins 7-5 in the third set to capture his record-breaking 23 Grand Slam titles. There was a time where 14 was a lot because that's what Pete Sampras has. Now there's three men, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic that sit on the mountaintop overlooking the rest of the tennis world. And Novak Djokovic is on the top spot in the podium. 23 Grand Slam titles. It's so hard to wrap your head around it because of the longevity of his career, because of how many players he's had to beat to get to this point, and how he's done it on every single surface. There's one man that has shocked everybody throughout his long career, and that is Novak Djokovic. Now, I don't want to make this entire episode about Novak Djokovic, although he does deserve it. But I am going to just talk about the greatness that is Novak here for a little bit. Coming into this tournament, he was not the top seed, although I do think he's probably the best player in the world. Now, I know last week and week before that, I said Carlos Alcaraz is playing the best tennis. But uh, you can never count out. Novak Djokovic, especially a seemingly healthy Novak Djokovic, it's kind of like Rafa, like you can't count him out. But coming into this tournament, he knew that they were going to run into Carlos Alcaraz in the semifinals, which I'm going to get to here in a little bit. The rest of the bracket I'll get to here towards the end of this episode. But he didn't have a clear path. He had to play Hachinov, who's always a tough test. And it was in question whether he was going to win this tournament or not. With this win at Roland Garros, and, and the celebrities came out to watch it. I mean, Tom Brady was there. There were, you know, there were a couple soccer players, and Bappe was there. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I think that's how you say his name. I think he was there. But this is what Novak Djokovic has done. These are the records he now holds. 378 weeks at world number one. That's a record. 38 Masters 1,000 titles. That's a record. 34 Grand Slam finals. That's a record. 23 Grand Slam titles. That's an ATP record. 10 Australian Open titles. That's another ATP record. What Novak Djokovic has done in the sport of tennis is almost unheard of. Um, I think about 
times in the early 2000s where, like I mentioned Pete Sampras earlier, when those guys, had, you know, Andre Agassi had his grand slams, and people thought that was the peak of tennis. Guy by Roger Federer comes through, gets to 20 grand slam titles. Guy by Rafa comes through, wins 14 on clay, and then wins 22. And then Novak Djokovic comes through, and gets to 23. And the most bizarre thing about this Novak Djokovic getting to number 23 is that, one, he looks to be slowing down not anytime soon. He looks so healthy. He looks so agile still. His power is still there. His mind is still right. He can still play at an elite level on every single surface. He is a threat in every single tournament he plays in. At 36 years old, he seems to be as good as he's ever been, and he seems to have so much more ahead of him. That's the scary part with Novak Djokovic. What's the number he can get to? I once said, when he was about at 18 or 19, I believe, I said, I think he could get to 24. That's seeming to be not that much now, right? Like, he could get to 26, he could get to 27. You think... Think he has three years left, right? Roger played till he was forty-ish, right? Novak, if he plays till he's forty, that's four years. That's four Grand Slams a year. That's sixteen more chances he has to win. And at this rate, he seems to be the favorite in every single one of those tournaments. I don't know who can beat him. That's incredible. We are witnessing history right now in tennis. If you're not watching tennis, if you're listening to this podcast, and this is your introduction to tennis, welcome to the history show. You've watched LeBron James in basketball. You've watched Tiger Woods in golf. You've watched Tom Brady in football. What you're watching right now is of much more importance because of what he is doing in the sport of tennis and in a sport where you're all by yourself. You have no teammates. You have no coaches on the court with you telling you what to do. The mental toughness of Novak Djokovic has always been strong. And to win 23 Grand Slam titles is so, so remarkable. And to do it in an era where the three greatest of all time played, all three of these guys to get to 20 is remarkable. It's un- almost unbelievable that all three of these guys got to 20 or above in the same era, right? They just beat each other at every single Grand Slam for like 15, 20 years. But for Novak Djokovic to be on the top, it's remarkable. It's incredible. And for him to be so dominant on every single surface is hard to wrap your head around because everyone's got one good surface. And Novak's got a good surface. But he's so good. He's better than other people on their best surface. Think about that. He's better than other people on their best surface. That's nuts. Let's get to the tournament. I left you off in the quarterfinals. I'm going to start at the bottom, work my way up. Alexander Sferov, a year after needing surgery on his leg, after he went out in the semifinals against Nadal at Roland Garros, makes it back to a semifinal, and he would play Kasper Ruud. Kasper Ruud... He makes it to the final here. He beats Alexander Sverev after he beats Holger Rune, and then he beats Sverev in straight sets, makes it to the final. Kasper Ruud, very, very pleased of in this tournament. He's struggled as of late. I've talked on this podcast about, I don't know what's going on with Kasper Ruud. And for him to be so dominant in this tournament where he's played so well, I was so happy to see him get back to the final because 
one, he seems like the nicest guy in the world and people on tour like him, especially in Novak's, you know, acceptance speech of the trophy on Sunday. He even talked about how much he respects Casper and everybody on tour likes him because him and his team are so nice, right? And for Casper to struggle, 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 and then get back to that mountaintop, admirable, especially after, you know, him and Holger Rune have gone back and forth a few times. He gets a dominant win over Holger Rune, gets another dominant win over Alexander Sverev. But Sverev making it to the semis here was incredible as well. Novak Djokovic, he beats Hachinov after losing the first set, beats him three straight sets after that. Carlos Alcaraz beating Stefano Tsitsipas was quite impressive. 6-2, 6-1, and then wins in a tiebreak. The semifinals, I already told you Rude beats Zverev. Now, the Alcaraz-Djokovic semifinal was not as exciting as... I know I hyped it up to be... Other people hyped it up to be... It was not that exciting because... Carlos Alcaraz got some cramps, okay? He said he had full body cramps. Everything went downhill after the second set. He wins the second set, but it just all literally like just flushes away. His whole body pretty much gave out on him. So that sucked, right? Not very much fun watching you know, his body going down, and no, you know Novak Djokovic is just going to clean, clean up shop after that, right? I will say, if you haven't seen it yet, go on Twitter, go on YouTube, and find the shot that Carlos Alcaraz has. He got drop Novak Djokovic drop shots Alcaraz. Alcaraz runs to the net, nice sliding, dipping, like gets it back into the middle of the court. Novak Djokovic hits it deep, and Alcaraz runs all the way around it to hit a winner. Pretty much scoops it off the ground with like a nine iron, right? And it's incredible. One of the best shots. There's a photo of it where the ball's really far away from Alcaraz and says Alcaraz won this point, and it's supposed to be like shocking because it is. Unfortunately, that match didn't live up to its hype. It did maybe in the first couple sets, but after that, Djokovic went 6-1, 6-1 in the last two sets because Alcaraz was cramping and he just wasn't the same. Bummer. I hope to see it again. I hope to see these two match up again in a big-time you know match and situation like they did at the French Open. Um, the final. Not terribly exciting. Uh Casper Ruud jumped out to a really big lead, and I kind of was kind of like, all right, buckle in. Here we go. Let's get at least a four-setter. And then Novak Djokovic kind of just, here, let me put my foot on the gas and see what I can do here. Wins in the tiebreak, 7-1 in the first, 6-3 in the second he wins, and then wins 7-5 in the third to capture his 23rd Grand Slam title. If you got to this point in the podcast and you don't know that it's 23rd Grand Slam title, I'm going to tell you again, he won his 23rd Grand Slam title. Just unreal stuff. You've got to feel for Casper Ruud, though. Made it to this point in this tournament last year just to get swept by Rafa Nadal. Makes it to this point this year just to get swept by Novak Djokovic. This is what this generation has had to deal with. The belief of not being able to win a tournament because the big three is still around. And that's what's happening with guys like Casper Ruud. It's so evident here. The last two years at Roland Garros. Oh, sweet. You made it to the final. Who do you play? The King of Clay. Oh, sweet. You made it to the final. Who do you play? The greatest of all time. 23 Grand Slams. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. At some point, you're going to run into these guys. And Elkaraz seemed to be the guy that was going to change that. And he has. But he can't always change that. There's only one Elkaraz. There's only one really big contender. And now on tour, there's two greatest of all time, you know, in the conversation of it with Rafa and Novak, but there's really only one Novak playing in this tournament. 
and that's enough because only one person can win a tournament. You got to feel for Casper Ruud. I feel for him. I'd love to see him back in these finals. He played in the final at the U.S. Open. He's played in two Roland Garros finals, and he's got second each time. He does it with class. He loses with grace, but you'd love to see him get over that hump because he's such an easy guy to root for. And he's fun to watch, I think. He plays with a lot of passion. He's quiet, um, but he plays his heart out, and he hits the crap out of the ball. He's fun to watch. But another runner-up finish he got here at the French Open. That's my Novak Djokovic spiel. That's my spiel on men's tennis. And now I'm going to carry that over to the women's side at Roland Garros. Iga Swiatek, what a tournament she had. She claims her fourth Grand Slam title, her third Roland Garros title, and her back-to-back Roland Garros title. She is simply remarkable. She wins a first set over Mukova. Loses the second set and wins the third set 6-4 to capture her title. Last week, I talked a lot about Alina Svitolina and the success that she's had since becoming a mom and being great. She loses Sabalenka in the quarterfinals. 6-4, 6-4, though. Really really tight match for an unseeded Svitolina to get to that point and lose to the second seed in the tournament who's in tip-top shape. But then that Mukova beats Sabalenka. Huge win for Mukova and Sviatek. Too good. Way too good on clay. She's way too good of a tennis player. And, man, she's fun to watch. I, th- I think she's one of the most entertaining people to watch on tour right now. She is the youngest since Celis, Monica Celis, I believe that is, to win consecutive titles at Roland Garros. She's the first woman to defend the title since Henin. And she's o- she joins Celis and Osaka as the only women in the open era to win their first four slam finals and the youngest to four slam titles since Serena. Remarkable. Iga Swiatek, she's not the most flamboyant personality on tour. You're you're not going to see her doing a lot of shoots and doing all these like modeling things. She's just not that out there, right? Like Serena and Osaka have done that and, you know, made a brand for themselves. I'm not saying Iga's not making a brand for herself, but she just does everything in a little quieter of a fashion, right? And so you might not see her in front of all the cameras or all the, you know, all the lenses and on the on the big news networks, all that stuff. But she's quietly becoming a fierce, fierce force on tour. And I'm not saying becoming, like she already is, but she's starting to get to that point where it's like, okay, four slam titles. As Novak would say, not too bad, right? Like she's starting to get to that point where people are got to start turning their heads thinking, oh, she's the real deal and she's the real deal all the time. All right, I told you I'd give you my thoughts on the French Open in this episode, and I'm going to do that right now. My thoughts on the overall experience of the French Open, obviously an historic, an historic tournament. Not having Rafael Nadal, you think it'd be not that entertaining. It ends up being fantastically entertaining with the 23rd Grand Slam title of Novak Djokovic, with Iga Swiatek winning her fourth Grand Slam title and everything that she's done on tour over the last few years and Casper Ruud making it on the men's side. You had some decently, I mean, you had big names in it on the men's side, good names on it, in it on the women's side. I liked it. Um, I don't always get this into the French Open, but it being such an historic event this year, I think I had to be in it just a little bit more because of the stakes that were at hand. Unfortunately, with the Alcaraz situation, that was kind of a bummer. I do believe now. I don't. I'm not 100 sure on this, but I'm like 95 confident in this. I believe there's only one match in the night session over there at the French Open, and 
it's sometimes it's men, sometimes it's women, but there's only one match, right? I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, I like I like two matches in the night session. I think they don't want to go into a situation where like you know in New York sometimes matches getting over at like two a.m. Like they probably don't want to get into that situation, and I totally understand that. Um, but I think you know giving fans a more bang for your buck on Philippe Chatrier at night would be a good idea. I do know that clay court matches tend to take longer because the ball sits up and it's a little slower of a surface. I do understand that. So there, there's a flip side of it. Like, oh, do we want to, you know, go all night and play tennis literally all night because these matches take longer? That's another thing to consider. That's another thing to think of. Um, but I think that's I think that's the case over there at Roland Garros. Obviously, never been there. Uh, I try to follow it as much as I po- as I possibly can. While it's going on, the coverage of it, uh, television-wise, mainstream in the States, is really kind of hard to come by. It's also happening at the same time in the Stanley Cup Finals and the NBA Finals, right? And baseball's just getting the summer swing of things. Like, it's really hard to get great coverage of it here in the States. Obviously, Tennis Channel does a fantastic job of covering the tournament. Um, I think it's hard to compete with the ESPN Plus and the whole package you can get for, like, the U.S. Open, where you can literally watch, like, every single match at the palm of your hand for a little fee. Um, I did see some things out there about Tennis Channel Plus, don't I didn't look that much into it because it wasn't really a problem for me. I just kind of watched whatever was on Tennis Channel, and I was fine with it uh, because I wanted to watch tennis. And then I mostly followed along on my phone on the app, the Roland Garros app, which was fantastic. Most of the Grand Slam apps are really good the entire tournament. So that was I, – I can't really comment on it, but that's the coverage it gets. I did see it was on ESPN this morning, as it should have been, because it's a Grand Slam final. Of course it should be getting that coverage. Um, not like, not like the match, but like they were talking about Novak doing what Novak does. So, uh, Novak keeping tennis relevant as always, which is fantastic. But overall, I think it was a good tournament. Um, I, I don't know a lot of the ins and outs of it to really complain about much. I don't, I don't really complain about tournaments anyway, but I don't know for me watching it over here in the States. It was about as good as it gets. I think it was on like an hour delay or so on NBC during the day. Not sure how that works or what rights are to that or what happens for it to be an hour delay. Is it because the news happens at certain times? I'm not sure, but I do know that it was on an hour delay. So like you could see the match on your phone. The score was like in the second set, but it just started on TV. That was only on like NBC though, because like sometimes it was on tennis channel, you know? So like, I don't really know, but that's kind of like what I experienced, right? As just a normal dude living in the center of the country, trying to watch tennis. So, Take for it what you will, but I watched it more this year than I had in the past, and uh, which means the coverage had to be pretty well because I don't subscribe to any of those other channels. So, as long as it's on mainstream or tennis channel or you know gets on NBC, I can watch it, and I feel like I watched quite a bit of it this year, along with following it on my phone. I'm done with the rant. I'm done talking. It wasn't really a rant. It was just literally what I experienced. French Open, fantastic. Novak Djokovic, the GOAT, 23 Grand Slams. That's how I consider him the GOAT. Not the GOAT of clay, but he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. 23 Grand Slams on the men's side, and many, 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 many more records are held to his name. Appreciate you listening this week. Stay engaged. We got Wimbledon literally like a month away. Not even. Things are about to get fun. Cheerio. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.